Jesus of Nazareth, God's son, sent from heaven to earth to redeem man from sin and separation. But in order to redeem man, he had to become one, the express image of God living among the sons of men. He was tempted, but without sin, perfect. He was fully man, but completely God. When I think of perfection in human life, I can't point to a single person and say, you know, they're perfect. Like they have it all together. I like the phrase, everybody's normal until you get to know them, right? Isn't that, isn't that so true? Everybody's normal until you get to know them. We've had people disappoint us, all of us have. We've had people hurt us. We have personally made decisions, I have myself, that have hurt other people. And the reason why is because we're all flawed. And that, my friend, is why we need a savior. Not a financial savior. You know, if, if we did, God would have sent an economist. Not a physical savior, or else God would have sent a physician. Um, although many of us need that. Our greatest need, though, was spiritual. And that is why God sent a savior. And his name is Jesus. Let me ask you this. Is 99% good enough before God? In other words, if I was... 99% good in my life, would that be good enough for God? Well, if 99% was good enough, let me share some stats with you. If that was true, then 22,000 checks will be deducted from the wrong bank account in the next 60 minutes. 575,870 documents will be lost by the IRS this tax season. 20,000 incorrect drug prescriptions will be written this year. If 99% is good enough, 40,000 newborn babies will be given to the wrong parents this year. Could you imagine that? So if 99% is not good enough for your bank, for your hospital, your drugstore, or the IRS, then what makes you and I think it's good enough before a perfect God? It isn't. The fact is God is holy, he's perfect which means he demands 100% moral compliance from us. Of course, that's not even possible, at least not by our own efforts or self-righteousness. It's, it's in this realization that opens our hearts and minds to our own need for God's amazing grace. Sin is what destroys what matters most in our lives. And what should matter most in our lives is not money, house, or car, it's our relationships our relationship with God first, and our relationship with people. Romans 3.23 says it this way, for all have sinned, everybody, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The fact of the matter is God is perfect and without sin. That's what makes him a perfect savior, and we're not. Jesus did not come to show off his perfection, to show off how good he was. He came to share it with us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it this way. 
For he, God, Jesus, hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, he was perfect, that we might be made the righteousness of God in, in Christ Jesus, in him. In other words, we're made righteous. We're not, we don't attain righteousness. We're made righteous by the righteous one, the one who's perfect. So you're made righteous. You're made perfect and complete by Jesus Christ. Not through religious activity, not through good works or saying some prayer. You are saved because of the sacrifice, the perfect one, Jesus Christ, made on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it this way, For by grace are you saved through faith, faith meaning trust, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, with the word boast there carries the idea that if we could somehow get to heaven by our own good works. We'd boast about how good we were. We'd boast about all the good things we did. But the fact of the matter is there's none righteous. There's none good. No, not one. So being made perfect is not a matter of self-righteous attainment. It's about Christ's righteous atonement. Romans 5.11 says it this way, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have the atonement. Now listen, atonement is, is a business word that means to exchange. Jesus says, let me have your imperfection. I'll exchange it for my perfection. I'll replace it with something better. Jesus will adjust the difference of a debt we could never pay for. We, we couldn't afford. Okay. So Jesus came to pay for that sin and to pay for uh, what we owe. The only question is, will you give him your life? Will you give him what he is calling for? And that's your life. He loves you. He died for you so that you could have eternal life. What an amazing God we serve. He came for the outcast the broken, the hurting, the ordinary. He came for anyone, everyone who would believe. Because it's who he is, love. Those who were guilty because of sin were forgiven by God's mercy. Those who were outcast because of sickness were healed by God's power. Those who were seen as worthless by society were accepted by God's love. For centuries, sin and sickness had plagued our world. But when Jesus walked among us, his love conquered our fear. The people, they loved him. They wanted to rule with him. 
but Jesus knew that he did not come this time to be their ruler, but to be their redeemer. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus knew what he came to accomplish. Jesus, the Son of God, knew that he was born to die. The people were persuaded that Jesus was an enemy of their freedom. So they condemned him to be crucified. They beat him. They mocked him. They despised him. Rejected him. He didn't fight back. He didn't call an army of angels. He sacrificed himself to save those that would kill him. He did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, because he knew that without the shedding of blood is no forgiveness of sins. It was our sin that gave God a reason to send Jesus, but it was his love that led him to the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There is an unbearable pain that comes from feeling unwanted, unloved, and used. I don't know if you've ever been used before. Somebody pretended to love you and like you. You found out in the end they're just using you. And I'll tell you, it'll change you. It's a pain that changes the way you see people. It's a pain that changes the way you often view yourself. Yet you end up losing a little hope in humanity. I don't know, maybe some of you are feeling that way. but. Love changes everything. A love that I'm about to talk about will change the course of your life. It's a love that heals brokenness. It's a, it's a love that heals pain. It's a love that casts out fear. In fact, the Bible says perfect love, the love that came from God, casts out fear. Love is what drove God to come to us. And that's an amazing act of love that God would come to us. So when it comes to religion, a lot of people picture God uh, like on top of a mountain and all the religions leading to that same God. And, and it, they're all the same. You, you got to be good. You got to follow the rules and the mandates. And, and maybe if you're good enough and you've attained enough, you can maybe get to the top and earn his love and earn his favor. The problem with that view is that the Bible teaches the exact opposite. 
Watch this. God came down to us. What made God come down to us was, was this, was his love. That's what drove God to us. In fact, in 1 John 3, 16, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Look, God did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. To love and be loved is the greatest gift on earth. There's a lot of gifts you can get out there. And, and they're a lot of fun for, for a time. But the greatest gift you and I could get is to be loved and to love. Life is not worth living if love does not exist. Love cannot exist without God because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Watch this, for God is love. He doesn't just love, he, he is love. Love is invented and made by him because it's a, it's a characteristic of God. It's who he is. Love is more than just a feeling, although it involves that. Love is what you and I make as a priority. That's what love is, what we make as a priority. Just like faith, you can say you have faith, but faith without action or works is dead. So love without works or action is also dead. Watch this. Jesus laid down his life for you. That is how much he loves you. And love can be defined as this, the laying down of one's life for another. Hate can be defined as this, demanding others to lay down their life for you. John 15, 13 says this, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Can I tell you something? God loves you. He laid his life down for you. He gave his life for you and for me. There's no greater love that was ever been expressed on earth than the love that was expressed upon the cross 2000 years ago. You are loved, not for what you do. You're loved for who you are. And there's, there's nothing you've done in the past that'll make God love you less. And there's nothing you could do today of good works or tomorrow that'll make God love you more. God loves you unconditionally. I like that the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Therefore, with loving kindness has he drawn you. He loves you with an everlasting love. It's an amazing love that's hard to comprehend at times because a lot of us have never been loved that way, maybe by a parent or maybe by a spouse. And it's, it's hard to imagine this kind of love. You mean I don't have to earn it? I don't have to perform for it? I don't have to do anything? No. God loves you for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by him. And he loves you for you. The greatest display of God's power was not in his creative work, although his creation is unbelievable. I mean, the Bible says this, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, the heavens shows his handiwork. His greatest work was not his creative work. Where his power was most revealed was in his redemptive work. What's so special about everything that God has created if there is no love? You see, the fact of the matter is God did create everything. And it's amazing. And it reveals his, 
his power and how big God is. But let me tell you something, in the midst of all that, God also shows us his love. That when, when man sinned, when we sinned and we fell into uh, we fell into condemnation and separation in our relationship with God. God didn't just disown us, say, you know what? I'm just going to make another world. I'm going to start all over again. He said, no, I'm going to send my son, Jesus, to come to this earth to pay for their sin, to reconcile the relationship between man and God. That's how much he loves you. You know, the two greatest commandments in the Bible are this, to love God and to love others. That's it. When you read the whole Bible, the Bible wasn't written for, for us to, for a bunch of do's and don'ts in, in our life. The Bible was written to help us have healthy relationships with people and a healthy relationship with God. That's why the Bible was written. So we can know who God is and know him personally in a relationship and to know people in our life and to have healthy relationships with them. Here's the thing, you, you have to allow God into all of your life because it's only then that you will experience the love that your soul craves and needs in this very hour and day. You know, when you have experienced the love of God, it frees you up to love others the way God loves you. The only question is, will you receive the love that God desires for you and is paid for upon the cross? When Jesus took his last breath on that cross, he cried, it is finished. The sin of humanity would now be forgiven because of the shedding of his blood. But who would believe him? Who would believe that Jesus of Nazareth was truly the son of God? He was dead. After the crucifixion, they buried his body in a tomb, and for three days, hope was dead. For three days, his followers hid in fear, trembling in silence. But on the third day, something miraculous happened. Hope came to life. Listen, hope is alive because Jesus is alive. Because he lives, we can all face tomorrow and next year and the years ahead. Death and sin was defeated when Jesus rose from the grave. Wherever you find yourself right now, maybe depressed, anxious, hopeless, maybe you find yourself in some sort of substance abuse or maybe you, you feel lonely or you're gripped with fear, Jesus came to overcome the stranglehold that these vices have on us. Our greatest need is not a vaccine for the coronavirus, although that would be fantastic. We need it. Our greatest need was a cure 
for the sin that causes so much pain in our life. Look, hope is always alive because Jesus is alive and Jesus is the cure. Jesus came to bring hope to the hopeless, faith to the fearful, life to the dying, light in your darkness, purpose in your pain, love to your loneliness, a sound mind to those who are losing theirs. Listen, let me just talk to you if you're a believer in Christ. May this message bring you great comfort and peace in the midst of all the chaos and uncertainty that we're all experiencing. And I pray that you keep your focus upon Jesus. He's never changing, always in control, and promises his peace, his love, and joy, and contentment throughout these days and in your life. Look, it's not your problems that he will necessarily take away. It's his presence in the midst of your problems that's his greatest gift. It's a peace that passeth understanding. Now, how? Why? Because the closer you are to God, the more you realize that he is all you need for life and happiness. And if you don't know Christ, let me talk to you for just a second. I encourage you to give your life and your heart to him today. You'll never regret it. For all eternity, you'll never regret it. Believe that he came to earth to save you, to redeem you, to offer atonement for your sin, a, a sin debt that you could never afford to pay. He paid it for you in full on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Maybe you've heard of the story of Carl Goldman. He and his wife were on a cruise in Asia and one of the passengers contracted COVID-19 and the cruise ship was quarantined for 10 days. And during that time, Carl got the coronavirus. When everyone was released from the cruise ship, Carl was quarantined in a biocontainment center in Nebraska. His room was completely sealed off from all other people. Cameras and two-way video monitors allowed him to communicate with people outside of his room. No one came inside unless they were wearing some type of hazmat suit, looked like space people, you know. And Carl was sealed off like this for 12 days. Then he was released into a different area of the hospital where he was quarantined with other patients who had the virus. So he was able to have more contact with other people and he couldn't leave the hospital until he tested negative for COVID-19. Unfortunately, his tests kept coming back positive long after his symptoms abated. Finally, he was quarantined for 30 days in the hospital. Carl tested negative for COVID-19 two times in a row, and he was allowed to go home. Adding the time that he was on the cruise ship, Carl quarantined for a total of 40 days. 40 days, can you imagine that? We're all in a similar situation as Carl. But instead of being quarantined from people, we are quarantined from God. Our sin separates us from him because God cannot be in the presence of anything unholy because remember, he's perfect and we're not. That's why we need Jesus to cleanse us from our sin and to release us from, from spiritual quarantine. But unlike Carl, the moment we place our faith and trust in Christ, we are cleansed, completely cleansed, past, present, and future sin, gone. There are no stages or tests that we have to, to have to go through to be passed through first. The salvation Christ offers us is instant and it's eternal. The Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth, 
the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Not might be saved or hope, be, hope to be saved, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That includes you. Call on him right now. You can do that right now while you're watching this. Look, God is at work around the world and he is at work in your life right now. And if you, uh, if you accepted Christ as your savior uh, at the end of this, I want, I want to encourage you to send us a direct message on Facebook or through our website. We'd love to help you along in your journey with Christ. But I want to encourage you, if you don't know Christ, to call upon him right now, to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. He died to cleanse your sin. And that sin is what separated us from God. And so Jesus came to save you. So would you pray this prayer with me right now? Would you ask Jesus to save you? Would you pray this in your heart? Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God. Lord, I believe that you came to this earth out of your love to die upon a cross for my sin. I believe you were buried in a tomb and after three days you rose again from the grave to conquer death and sin. And I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Jesus, I'm calling upon your name to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, man, can I just say, I rejoice with you. The Bible says this, that all heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance, turns to God in repentance. And, and if you made that decision, we would love to celebrate with you. We would love to help you along your new faith, your journey with Christ. And would you just direct message us uh, through our Facebook page or even through our website, gr.church. Listen, what a great Resurrection Sunday. It's amazing. It's the best day of the, of the year, the day that God rose from the grave to give us eternal life. May God bless you all. Have a fantastic Resurrection Sunday. God bless.